our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. Hey, what's going on, No Bad Dog Army? Hope you guys are well. It took a week off last week. What a crazy, crazy uh, couple weeks. It's actually just been a crazy year, to be honest with you guys. It's just one thing to the next. So, um, yeah, last week we were in New York City um, working, training, uh, bouncing back and forth between different clients, working with some of the Yankees, working with some of the photographers. We just, it's just been a crazy week. So we, anyway, we didn't have a podcast last week. So I apologize to you guys for that. Um, should have been more prepared, but we're just, we're trying to play catch up all the time. So I appreciate you guys listening and hopping back on the podcast, even though we took a week off. Um, pretty exciting news. If you guys don't know, I was in people magazine this week. Uh, this week is the first week of June, June 6th. Um, and uh, it's pretty exciting, and I, I, I'm very grateful for the opportunity. Uh, this by far is definitely the biggest published piece of my work and the things that we've been doing, and uh, I've been on the Today Show twice. I've been Good on America. I've been in Fox News. This is definitely the biggest piece, and I'm really uh, excited. If you guys want to go check it out, you can go to any literally anywhere in the country and find it target walmart rite aid walgreens literally anywhere um that your local grocery store um pretty exciting and um i'm I'm very grateful for it so go check it out tag me on instagram take a picture of it um it should be there for the next week and change so it's very exciting and i think to be honest i think a lot of you know i i it's it's hard to it's hard to like grasp how big it is um like just to give you guys some preference on how big this piece is. I mean, the the Ellen Show, for an example, gets 1.4 million average viewers, or it did. I don't know if they're still even running, but that was a big show. I mean, it was a big deal. Um, the other example is like the number one show on Netflix, for an example, gets like I think like 65 million, or it got 65 million. I can't remember what it was, but. Um, it's pretty crazy like to, to see what's going on, but 65 million people, maybe, um, I'm sorry, 82 million views on the number one show on Netflix. And the 62 came from stranger things, which is a huge show that I absolutely love. So you get 62 million people think about how big stranger things is 62 million people have accumulated over its existence 62 million times or 62 million views. That's number five on the Netflix. And number one is, I forget what the show is, but it's 82 million. And this People magazine is going to be distributed to 92 million people. It's absolutely massive. I mean, it's just such a big piece. And I thought I was going to get this little blurb when they reached out to us. They were like, hey, we you know, we want to talk to you about what you do. It's great. And I thought I was just going to get this little online bubble, you know, like they do these little like one-off things. Nope, it's a full center two pages. You can see it on my Instagram. It's amazing. Um, so thank you guys for the support up until this point. We're really excited and motivated to do everything that we can to continue to grow this momentum of the No Bad Dog Army. Um, it's a huge publication. Um, I also think it's, I don't think this is really caught on for a lot of people, but if you really take a look at like the balanced dog training community, if you will, or just the dog training community in general. Like this is probably one of the biggest publications that's happened in a very long time for balanced dog training world. There's an e-collar literally on the front of this page right here, like my e-collar, Doctor's e-collar. I don't I don't think it seems like people are really grasping how big this is. This this is a collar that's getting banned in all sorts of different countries and it's it's getting looked down on and talked bad about as abusive or whatever people are talking about it. And it's literally in the middle of People magazine this week. Anyway, 
it's huge. Hopefully people take, take this and grab and go with it because it's a huge opportunity for, for the balanced dog training community to say, Hey, look, like this is a guy that is doing X, Y, and Z and, and has, has basically, I got the article because of all the free dog training things and the social media and the things that I've just been doing in general and have accumulated this massive, you know, community and, they wrote about the community that we've built. They've wrote about you guys. They wrote about the podcast. They wrote about my wife and my dad and my mom. I mean, they did a big piece on what I'm doing and it's smack dab in the biggest magazine. It's pretty impressive. So hopefully you guys take it, run with it, uh, take advantage of it, use it as, as an opportunity to advocate continually for the remote collar um, world and the dog training world and the balanced dog training world in general. It's a very big piece and I'm very grateful. And I thank everybody out there for supporting me and continuing to support me. You guys are the best. Um, we're going to get into this podcast. Future warning on this podcast, uh, we swear, uh, me and this dude, uh, we just swear a lot. So I sometimes will try to cut out one or two swear words, but there's F-bombs and other things going on here. So that's just a forewarning. If you're listening to this with young people in the car or maybe you don't like swearing, we do drop a couple of swear words uh, just having conversation. So it's just something I want you guys to be mindful of. Um, but it's a great podcast. We This this individual has done one before uh, with me, had a conversation with me, and we just talk about all sorts of different stuff, dogs, everything from um, e-collar placement to your dog being intact and should they go off leash to should you get a course. So how, you know, should you get a Rottweiler? We talk about so much different stuff. I hope you guys enjoy it. Um, I don't, I don't know if we have any new, um, um, reviews in the podcast, so I'm going to do it next time. I'll take a look, but anyway, go check out the people magazine guys. I'm going on tour. I just announced my UK so much stuff. I didn't even tell you guys about this. My UK tour is announced. The link is in the description below. My fall tour for the US. Uh, link link is in the description, but it's the tickets aren't going to be available until July 1st. So we're going to put out all the information, how you can sign up. Uh, but you can check out my Instagram for the full tour. And then we're doing London at the end of September. So all of that information is in the link below. So um, I think we're probably almost sold out of working spots at this point. I'm not sure. If you guys live in the UK, I can't stress this enough. If you live in the UK and you want to work with me privately with your dog at this seminar, sign up because this will 100% sell out by the end of this month. 100%. I'm, I'm almost positive there's two tickets left, but I'm not sure. Make sure if you guys want to go, because I this is what frustrates me the most is everyone's like, I had no idea and I should have, like, if you want to go, go get your tickets. Link in the description below. Love you guys. Thank you so much for listening. Enjoy your day. I'll talk to you Wednesday. I wrote down a couple questions that I, I, I spoke to you before, um, a while, a while ago, maybe like six months ago or eight months ago. Cool. Um, but I just spoke to you on the phone, but then my, my lovely siblings surprised me for my birthday. And I'm like, you know what? This is great. I have more questions to ask. Perfect. Let's do it. Uh, so <clears throat> I use I use your e-collar with with this guy over here. This is this is my guy right over here. Sweet. My guy. He's a nice guy. He's a nice guy sometimes. So I use your e-collar and then I use so at the beginning I I bought uh, I have a Herm Springer I think two point two five. Okay. I like it. But you know, my my I, I live with my girlfriend. She sometimes isn't comfortable using it. So I bought this. I bought the um. I, what do you think about it? The uh, Learbird Keeper. Yeah, yeah. It's just the uh, the what you call it. It's like a. It's just like a sleeve that kind of goes over the prong, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, there's a lot less action than you would obviously in like, in like a regular prong. But yeah, I mean, it does the trick sometimes. What do you think about these? Have you I, ever used I, them? To be honest, I've never I've never used one. I know Herm Springer came out with a sleeve and I haven't really used it mainly because I just I I per, I I I think the big purpose of them is to almost hide the prong collar or to Exactly what yeah, or to make it in your case with that, I've I, like I said, I've never used it, so I don't know. But it looks like that's easier to put on and off because it has a clip too. So I think it has a yeah. But I mean, with the Herm Springer, with those like quick release ones, which is one that we have, mm -hmm. like those like sliders, it's pretty easy. But it just this is just less intimidating looking, you mm -hmm. know? Just yeah. Scary. Yeah. So um, I, I've never I've never used one, be just because like I I don't 
I don't know. I just would never have the use of that. Um, yeah. just because yes. I, I've never, nobody's ever said anything to me about anything that I've ever done with my dogs. Yeah. So, uh, but I do understand that there, there's a lot of uneducated dog owners out there and some people may feel a little bit uncomfortable or I've, I've even had some clients just get sick of people being like, Oh, you know, what kind of collar is that? Or why are you using that? Or how do I, you know, and and I, whatever. So I haven't, I don't have too much experience with it, but I do know that it does take away from some of that action. So it happens. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like you didn't make it very helpful when you made like a super bright orange (laughs) e-collar. Yeah. But yeah. Um, Yeah. And that was kind of the point is we wanted, I wanted people to feel, because I think all of the e-collars up until this point are like this black little box. or like army green or like something super camo. Yeah. Like very hunty. Yeah. And I wanted it more like Karen approved, if you will. Like I wanted, I wanted people to feel like, oh, this is a fun thing. And I think all of the other e-collars that have ever come out have been like this black kind of like hide this thing. And I'm like, why would we, why would we hide, uh, you know, the, the piece of equipment that helps us with our dogs the most. So yeah. 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 I mean, I like it. I like your unit. It's great. I've used the, uh, I used the educator before it was good. But like, I really like the, like the boost function, and like I like having to like I like having multiple buttons for multiple things. Yeah, really, it's kind of good. I mean, it's really good actually. I have a question about it though. Okay. So I put it on my I put it on my dog every day, same place. I put it like bottom left. Yeah. He has like a, I guess like a bone running right through here. So I put it in between here and like his Adam's apple. So it sits like right over there. Mm-hmm. Pretty like high up some days i can tell that he feels it we usually he's on uh anywhere between a five and an eight just Mm -hmm. like normally and then his boost is plus plus 12 okay so normal yeah i put it right here some days i i don't have to use it some days i just give a little a little five six seven or eight and Mm -hmm. i can see it right away i get his attention some days I've tested it before, like same pressure, same tightness, um, same distance. I'm away from him, so I know it's not. I know it's not the receiver or the anything. Um, and sometimes, like even if I like raise the dial to like twenty plus twelve, nothing, zero recognition that anything is going on on his neck. Mm-hmm. Is that you ever heard of that before? Yeah, yeah, it happens. It, it just depends. There's there's two big things from that. It's either the 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 biggest thing is probably the most common thing is likely that the dog is more stimulated by something else. Therefore the stimulation that you're using is kind of invalid. It kind of cancels each other out, which happens all the time. It it would, because you got to remember that the stimulation to the dog is, is just a form of communication. It's just, Hey, I'm talking to you. Right. And so just like with us, if we're standing in front of a train, having a conversation versus in the library, our voices are going to change. Like our, the, 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 the levels of our communications are going to change. So if you have a dog that is completely off leash and they're really dialed into something, another dog or a squirrel or whatever it is, your stimulation that you normally would use in a conditioning level, having that conversation at a very Mm. non-distracted environment is going to change significantly. So if you're out and you're off leash and there's a distraction, that's usually the first common thing why dogs aren't as responsive to those levels. And then the other thing is um, a lot of times the dog doesn't fully understand the behavior you're asking. So, uh, and, and, or it could be like a blend of both. So you just have to be careful about what you're asking your dog to do if they know it well or not. Cause I've seen that happen often. So anyway, like I know, so even when the e-collar is not working yeah, and, there's a there's a dog before he has the chance he he like most other half doodle dogs just wants to go out and see every dog that's available before he starts approaching the dog i know i can get him away but like one of my other questions was like sometimes when he's super locked onto a dog and he doesn't bark he doesn't do anything i put him in a sit or i walk away it depends and he gives me a little cry like every other frustrated dog or not every other, but some other frustrated dogs would. Um, do you have any like exercises or work that I can do with him that I can work on like sending him out towards something and then like calling him off of a send out so I can practice the idea yeah. of him 
approaching something and then coming back to me. Yeah, it's a gr- it's a great great uh, question. I'm glad that you're going there with your head. That's good. So we we do that. We talk. I did this in my uh, my e collar tutorial video, and essentially one of the best ways to start proofing out the dog's recall because you have to kind of have that stepping stone. You need that middle person, yeah. if you will, where you're like, okay, my basics are great. I want to advance off leash, but other dogs are too much. I need that middleman. Mm-hmm. So what I do is I typically will take a bowl and I'll put, depending on your dogs, some dogs you can just use their kibble and they're like, hell yeah, let me go. Other dogs mm-hmm. are like, you need yeah. turkey or whatever. And and I typically will put the dog on a long line. So say your long line is 20 feet. I'll put the bowl 20, sure. 23 feet away from us. And then the dog will go, okay. Yeah. And they'll go towards the, the food. And so you start recalling the dog off of that high distraction. And that's where you right. really can capture to the dog. Like, Hey, this is what you have to do regardless of what, it, what else is out there. So we did that yeah. um, in the e-collar tutorial. We actually ordered, we, we um, grub hubbed like Chipotle and there was like a bag <laughs> of Chipotle and it was like the cameras yeah. were just rolling and she went over and she's like, Ooh, you know, cheese, chicken, the whole nine. Yeah. And we recalled her off of that. And that was a beautiful thing. But that's what I would do is try to set up a very distracting environment on your terms as much as you can yeah. and then start to transition into those higher distractions but that's where you can really play with your numbers too and you can yeah. you can really find the levels that your dog is going to work best on yeah yeah i mean like in in some in like high distractions so like i take them often into the forest off leash there's dogs around Mm-hmm. And I know I can call them off of a dog in a forest. I can call them off a dog on the street. Like I can call them off a lot of things, but there's always like, I don't know what it is. I think it's usually, usually he's not neutered. So usually like there's a female dog or something that just, he just, he, he just turned a year sure. and a bit old. So he's getting to this like super funky phase, I guess, where whether it's like another unneutered male or a female that he just, it's just something about it. Like a regular yeah. dog, like a, a six-year-old neutered pit bull, he'll just leave it alone. Or or if I call him away, he'll obviously want to go say hi. But there's a specific dog that I just can't – he won't go, but he just won't come back to me. He'll just like sit in the middle and, you know, like not listen but not do the wrong thing. Yeah, so that that's definitely because he's he's intact. Like that that's a thing, right? That's like – intact males are going to be obviously very into other females and very into other males as well. And that's a very primal, like there's dogs that will literally truth chew through a wall to get to a female that's in heat. Like they, it's a, it's something that I think to me personally, I think it would be the hardest thing for anybody to, to work on as far as a distraction and recall is to get an intact male Um, that's got a female in heat somewhere because that's like their only purpose in life at that point is to mate with that. I mean, that's what, I mean, it's the most primal instinctual things because that's what animals do. I mean, that's what humans do too. Realistically, if you, if you zoom out, it's like, it's to have offspring and continue to like keep the population going. And so I think one of the most primalistic things that any dog owner will ever deal with as far as the distraction goes is the intact male and female type of thing. And so if you're, so I, I would just say like, if he is intact, there's certain, I think that there's certain precursors and there's certain things you have to be mindful of is that because I, when I was in a dog control officer, I would, mm. the number one, actually there's a statistic and I don't know if it's still the same, but it's gotta be close. It was like 98% of dogs that were hit by cars were um, n- not neutered males because when they get out, like they will literally like, I'm not even kidding, jump through a window, break glass and try to go find a female if they're in heat. And that's why dogs are getting yeah. smoked by cars. It's just like, right. it's, it's, it's anything in the animal world. Like look at deer, like, yeah. you know, whatever. Oh yeah. So anyway, so if you're, if you're dealing with a, an, in, an intact male, you just have to be really careful that when you're out, especially if he's off leash, that, you know, if there is a possibility of having an intact female, you're but like, how do you, like, how do you know? You I'll, don't. I'll tell you like, yeah, it's, it's, 
like I, I've listened to a bunch of your videos before where people talk about they have a one-year-old. It's like the same mm-hmm. story you always say. Yeah. One-year-old German Shepherd, a year old, unneutered, and they yeah. just start like going off. Yeah. He's not like He's like the same dog that he was at six months, nine months, 12 months, 13 months, 14 months. But as he gets older, it's like all the testosterone. Yeah. And it's very infrequently that it's so hard to gauge. And like I don't, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's hard. I I yeah, I don't have an answer for you because it is hard. It's like if you're gonna keep your like my. Have, did you listen to my podcast with the the Doctor Rihanna Rice about intact males? Both of them. Both oh, of them. Perfect. First one in recent. Yeah. Perfect. So that really goes over all of that. But um, there's there's really no way. Like if you're like 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 you heard in that podcast. Like I kept my dog intact. Um, yeah. And the only way you could you just have to be mindful of like when you're going out like it just depends on your environments. Like if you have a small group of dog owners out there, or if you're going to a dog park or you're going to a, an area that's going to have other dogs, if you can't really like ask anybody like, Hey, does anybody have any females here? Like I have an intact male. I mean, it is what it is, right? How are you going to know unless you ask people, but it's not realistic. Right. And it's not realistic for you to do that everywhere. It'd be a pain in the ass, but you just have to, because and that's where a lot of the fights happen too is because you know if if you have him out and he's like this 1-year-old intact male and there's an in-heat girl running around like that's where males will fight it's shit dude it's like it's silverback gorilla shit it's like yeah, yeah. it's real animal kingdom stuff and i think just dog owners don't see a lot of it because it, most dogs are fixed but mm-hmm. It does happen and i think it confuses people that if you if you do have a dog that is intact i think you just have to be extra careful and take the extra precaution to say like, Hey, I'm about to let him off leash. And there's 20 dogs that I've never seen or met before that you're taking a risk of having another intact. Because if, like you said, like, and you heard me in that podcast, like Tucker Budson, for an example, or even my friend Forrest, um, he has, yeah, he has like eight dogs and I, I think all of them are like intact. And so there's people who can manage these situations and there's certain circumstances that it does work fine, but you have to be very careful because they're not going to say like, Oh, you're my housemate. I'm not going to fight you over a girl or you're my housemate. I'm not going to mate with you. Like they're going to do it regardless of what you personally right. think. So I think you just have to, you can't control everyone else's dogs. You, you just have to go to a situation and say, here's a bunch of dogs that I don't really know. And if yeah. he gets off leash chasing, sniffing, you know, his nose down at this female, and then another dog is also intact, he could get his ass kicked, even though he's not really like being a jerk and going out. Yeah. And, you know what I mean? Like you said, he's not that dog, but there's going to be other dogs that are going to be that dog. And then they're going to get sure. into a fight. And that's where, you know, things happen. And so I think that that's why there's, there's so much more behavioral problems or behavioral risks when you keep your dog intact because you have more primal like if primalism is a word i would use it right now i don't know if it is but you just have more like hey you you got more to deal with here they're not a bunch of little kids they're kind of a bunch of right you know really excited teenagers in college dorm rooms in co-ed like they're all mingling there's going to be fights there's going to be jealousy you know what i mean like there's just going to be all of that so i think you i think there's no real way to make that successful other than picking and choosing where you let him completely off leash. So it's like my, pretty much my discretion at this point. Correct. That's all I can. That's right. fine. It would be like bringing your kid to a daycare. Like you're going to audit yeah. the situation and go like, is this something I'm comfortable with? Is it something, you know, and then if it's yeah. not, you bounce. And if it is yeah. where you're like, Hey, there's three other little kids and there's three adults watching. That's like, it's a good ratio. We're, we're good. Yeah. But I, but there's yeah. no real way to like, make that successful when you're dealing with that. Because even if he is off leash and there's a girl in heat two blocks down the road, he's gone. Right. You know, so you you just, yeah. So you just have to be extra careful. Like studying deer behavior for a long period of time. My family has a bunch of land out in Indiana. So they're huge deer hunters and it's just, it's the same thing, man. They will literally run right in front of a, a, a barrel of a rifle and choke on it just to get to a female. Like they don't, all of their common sense and all gone. of their training and their instinct of being safe is gone, smashed. Right. Like they just don't care. Their nose is down, they're in rut and they are getting to that female. No matter if it yeah. kills them or not, they don't care. And it's the same thing with dogs. Yeah. Did you have a similar, like has this ever happened to you? I, I think personally, I you were saying, did you, weren't you saying, that like there was a point where you had mm-hmm. an intact 
and intact mm-hmm. female in your head, like it was yeah. just a fucking disaster for you. Disaster, yeah. So Lakota, my duchy, um, she was yeah. in heat, and my Saint Bernard. Thompson is, is also intact and she went through her, I wanted at least two heats with her to, you know, get her fully mature. And she went through her first heat and I had to get rid of him. Oh, I had to, I had to move him to my mom's house. And then even at my mom's house, he was an asshole because she was in heat. He literally wouldn't eat, wouldn't walk, wouldn't drink. He lost like 10 pounds. Like he wouldn't do anything unless it was getting to her. And then even yeah. I was like, okay, this isn't healthy. And I'm not, I'm not a breeder, so I'm not used to this stuff. I mean, I've dealt with right. it before. I get it. I understand what's happening, but I'm like, yeah. it was really bad. So I, I gave them to my mom for like a week and a half and tell her, cause even after the heat, they're still pretty fired up. Right. And, uh, yeah, man, he, he even went there and like, grabbed a hold of my mom's little shih tzu just out of frustration he just he just sat at the door and he's like let me back let me back it's just this instinctual primal like mating thing that these people are the same exact way like it's just in us and that's one of the things that again it's an instinctual thing to keep the human race or the animal whatever kingdom going it's just how it is so it's really difficult but yeah i dealt with it and then i got her fixed because i was like this is not this is not worth it at this point you know So yeah, I get it. Um, have you ever had two intact males in the same house at once for no any time? I haven't. No, but but I've seen it. I've seen it, and like I said, I I have friends that do it. It's just it makes me nervous, just because a lot of the dogs that I've worked with with behavioral problems don't do well with it. But I think you know, and like you said, if you listen to my podcast, it's like every third episode is this huge behavioral thing, and then it's like. And then I'm like, hey, is they intact? They're like, yep, it's like eight to 12 months and bingo, bingo. It happens every time. So right. I've never done it, but um, there's there's so many people who do it successfully. I, I think it just yeah. depends on the personality of the dog. It depends on how they were raised. Like the people that I know who, who have done it have all been raising these animals together. But that doesn't matter even. Like dogs still yeah. grow up and they're like, I'm going to beat your ass. <laughs> so, yeah, that's true. So now I have another question. So I've been using this um, when it comes. So <clears throat> he's he's like, I would say, like, I, I, I guess like for a, a domesticated, friendly, like just, you know, run of the mill dog, not like sure. Lakota or any of forest dogs, but like just like as like a family dog, he's pretty good. He uh, no pulling, no nothing. But his on leash heel, mm-hmm. how how do I like work with him to transfer that to off leash heel? So right now his heel is good, but like I have his collar to kind of give him a couple taps when he moves a little bit ahead or a little behind and I'm marking where he is at my side, Mm -hmm. but like he'll sit there for like three seconds, four seconds, five seconds. And then like, I do exactly what you were saying, like three seconds, four seconds, five seconds. And then, he get like he marked and then I'll break him and then I'll do it for like seven and then 10. But sometimes when he's on off leash, I have no like bearing to, to kind of move him into position sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I do. like, yeah. Yeah. So like I know how to work with him on the leash and I've gotten it up to let's say like 30 seconds, but how do I have, let's say like a two minute heel? Cause I, I'm, I'm not asking for him to like heal with me for 45 minutes down, like downtown Toronto, mm-hmm. but like, yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. It's the, it's the, it's the, the three D's. So the distance, distraction, and duration. And so it's a great question. And I actually was just working with this. I was in New York city working, uh, with some dogs and they, you know, it's just, a, I, I have a very small period of time. I have an unrealistic training environment to teach something and, yeah. you know, let's go. So it's hard, but, but I, I you, ha- you have to, Really what it comes down to is you, the dog really has to understand the cue of like what heel is. They really have to grasp what the behavior is in order for it to be sustainable, just period. Like that's the first thing is they have to know what it is because there's suppression and there's compulsion involved to some of this. Cause I don't care who you are and what kind of training or what kind of dog you're dealing with. You're, you're going to have some sort of compulsion of making the dog do something that they don't really want to do. If you're asking a dog to walk in slow motion with you, period, because they have four legs, you have two. And you're basically saying like, Hey, you have to slow down for me. So you're, you're forcing the dog to do something regardless of 
of how you do it, it's still compulsion and it's still suppression because they right. don't want to do it. But so what what your job is is you have to really capture the behavior at a very um a very like uh I don't know how to explain it, but it, it's got to be a very raw form of like what heal is. They have that light bulb where they're like, oh. You know, so again, like this is fresh in my memory. I was just working with this one-year-old little dog and we were we were basically just doing this absolute crash course of like mm-hmm. probably, not probably, but I, I like to do 10-minute sessions break, 10-minute sessions break, 10-minute sessions break. But when I'm doing my in-house training or when people come to me, it's like, it's not realistic. We got to get to work. So anyway, yeah. so when you're training, you have to do the, just like a parent, you really, or any teacher, you have to do a really good job at yes, this is it. Yes, this is it. Yes, this is it. Yes, this is it. Okay, break. And that's the first thing to answer your question is the dog really needs to understand what healing is. And you need to change the variables of how that heal looks for the dog as well. So directional changes going one way, going the other way, and really letting the dog know like, heal is you right here, regardless of what I do. And Like you said, as far as like you have no bearing, really it's it's accountability, right? Like once you get yeah. out and you do want to do that off-leash heel, if you're doing anything off-leash, the dog has to know the behavior, period, like really well. Yeah. So when you start going off-leash, the bearing is going to be your accountability. And again, like it doesn't matter how well-trained your dog is or how well they listen, how much work you've put in, especially for pet owners, not even talking about competitive dogs there's going to be something more, there's going to be something better than you. And Mm. our job is to usually make us the most important thing. But when you're out, they're going to be like, Ooh, piece of candy, Ooh, piece of candy constantly. Right. So if your, if your behavior is really good and they understand what heal is, you can certainly use the remote collar to, um, to help with that reinforcement of like, Hey, this is good. Um, so anyway, you just have to make sure, like if I'm out with a dog and I have the, ah, 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 that's kind of like my warning before the correction. And I like, right. to, I like to do, some trainers are like, oh, you should, who, who gives a shit? Like I like doing that because it gives the dog an opportunity to know that, hey, you're pressing the boundaries right here. Like, like this is your yellow light, if you will. Like right. you had a green light because you were healing good and now you're starting to forge forward. So the yellow light's coming on and then the red light's going to be the, the correction. Right. So I think you just have to basically replace the, the, the whatever collar you're using, whether it's a slip, flat collar, prong collar, you have to pair in that, that verbal, like, ah, ah, that's what I like to do. And then you transfer yep. it essentially to the remote collar and, and you teach, there's some, there's some training out there that basically corrects the dog every time they walk past. And that's kind of what you want to do, but you have to do it with a lot of understanding and empathy that the dog really understands what you're asking them to do. And I think a lot of people start off right here and then they're like, let's go off leash. And then boom, they're like, mm. like you said, downtown Toronto and the dog's like out of their mind and right. they're both frustrated. So I think yeah. the, those two things is making sure that your dog really understands that behavior really freaking well And also making sure that you're not going from level one to five. You have to go one to two to three to four to five. So that's my biggest piece of advice. Um, And then transferring in the the remote collar in conjunction with your leash pops. Right. Um, Do you you use that that same mentality with transferring all, or not all, I guess most commands that you would, that you have, general understandings for i guess getting through all the levels all the distractions mm. on lead to guarantee that everything's understood and then you can move it off correct yes okay. so um it's a great it's a great uh it's a great question and think about the and, and again we talk a lot about this in the remote collar course but think about the the e-collar is pressure that's all it is. Like if right. you if you really like get granular with it, like what is it? It's pressure. But this is a tool that can give your dog pressure from up to a mile away or half a mile or whatever, right? Yeah. Or without a leash, even better. Right. Or both. So yeah. that's that's really what it comes down to. If anybody wants to know what the remote collar is, it's your ability to give the dog wireless pressure. And so when we talk about pressure with dogs, there's leash pressure, there's body pressure, there's voice pressure. So if you're asking a dog to maybe go to a place and they don't and they know place you're going to take your leash 
and you're going to you're going to either correct them or guide them on so that's leash pressure and then you're going to tell them to stay and then if they start to get off your voice is going to go ah, 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 right boom pressure and then your your body is going to walk towards this dog and you're going to push him back with your body as well and it's going to create <clears throat> pressure so <clears throat> anyway my my point is 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 the e collar is 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 replacing that pressure so if you're Again, if you're asking a dog to place and let's say they start to get off the place and you're walking backwards, right? And then they yeah. start to think about getting off. Again, like you have to go, what I would do is go right back to your, well, how good is your stay? Because if your dog is getting off every time you're walking backwards, your, pro- your stay probably isn't that good. So we can't even right. talk about the remote collar. But essentially, yes, anything that you teach the dog at a very core level can be enforced with a remote collar but the dog has to know the behavior because all it is is just pressure right so so let's say so let's say i want to like level up place so i'll tell you so during let's say like dinner time at my house we're not allowed sometimes i go to my dad's for dinner sometimes i go to my mom's for dinner sometimes everybody comes to mine he goes he has a dog bed place him everything's fine he sits he, he's in a down and in his, his place is always in a down and Sometimes if we have an hour and a half long dinner, he'll like keel over to his side and fall asleep. Mm-hmm. Am I allow am I allowing that to happen as long as he stays on the place or is that like yeah. kind of that that's fine? Yeah, so th- that's a gr- it's another good question. For me, like again, I'm I train the average pet owner, right? Even if they're like really great at dog training, like we're not talking about competition. We're not talking about you're going to get points off if your dog farts, right? We're talking about like your dog just listening to you for your everyday life and for your everyday like utility of just being one with your dog. So for me, I always like I'll teach the dog to place and I usually don't put it in a combo, in the beginning. So I won't go place, sit down, place, sit, stay, place, down, stay. I'll just say place. And I'll say, Hey, right. I don't really care what, I don't care if you do cartwheels on this place, Matt, but you can't get off it until I release you or I give you right. another command. So for me, again, the same thing with you is like, you're a pet owner that just wants your dog to hang out in this one section until you're done eating dinner or doing whatever you want to sure. do. So for me, that's totally okay. But you have to make, sh- but this is where it gets a little bit more granule, right? So don't, don't know in your head that this dog after a two minute place is going to fall down and go to bed and then ask them to sit and stay because you know that you're setting them up for failure. Right. Right. So it would just be place, stay, and then walk away. Now what they do is up to them, whatever they're comfortable with. If they want to down, if they want to sit, if they want to lay on their side, if they want to do handstands, it doesn't matter. Yeah. So that's totally okay to do because, but you got to set. And even if you did say place, down stay and then they get up and they spin around and get comfortable technically they're breaking their down so you should be over there giving them hell for that you know but but that's what i mean is like excuse me it should just be place stay right because like at the beginning i used a place for so let's say so he eats raw so it takes like let's say 10 minutes to get his dinner ready Mm -hmm. I put him in a place and then he would kind of like when he was standing up in his place or sitting he would be like very movie finicky he'd, he'd get frustrated so i would put him into a down so i used place as like a down place for him mm. and then i guess i used that to transfer over so like an example i watch a video of yours not at your new facility at your old facility you have a dog working and like in the corner of the room on top of a crate there's like a dog in a down mm-hmm. you, you I, I mean i'm asking you if you remember this but yes. obviously yes. yeah yeah so like that dog's there I'm watching a 20 minute video. He's there for the whole fucking 20 minute video. That 20 minute video is like an hour and a half or an hour long in real life. Mm-hmm. That dog's just in a down on a crate for like an hour. How? Well, that dog is actually, uh, that's like her, that's like her area to hang out. It's a, it was an old staff dog. Um, okay. so she would actually just go up there during the day and that's where she would stay while she was working. So she was just, so she was, um, I think they did some sort of like, I don't know, some sort of like working stuff before, but she's used to just being, that's like her spot and she'll get, right. and she's a small little shepherd. So she would get up and spin around and she's totally cool up there. So like, right. instead of putting the dog in the crate, which there was a dog below her, usually she would right. just put one dog underneath and then the other dog would just go up on the, on the, on the top of the crate. Yeah. And then that's, 
that was like normal. It was weird when people would come in and be like, well, that's crazy. And I'm like, oh, I didn't, like, I don't even think about it anymore because that's just her spot. So that's what that was, is she actually was trained to be on that place command for, until she's released. So it wasn't even like a, like, place stay. It was just like, this is your crate. This is where you stay. You can't get off. And she didn't care to get off either. Right. So that's all that was. So when you're, let's say, so I think I'm generally happy with where he is, but I want to, like, I kind of want to level up. I don't think that, a half Bernese dog is going to have the same level or I don't know as like sharpness, quickness, willingness to work as like Lakota does, for example. Mm-hmm. Like I, I don't think so. But my question, do you have different expectations based on the breed that you're working with? Yeah, definitely. hundred percent. So do, do you have to like gauge a dog to see their quote unquote work ethic before you decide kind of where they should be in their obedience? Yes. So yeah, I I mean, to some degree, like I I think genetics is, is really important. Like genetics are definitely a thing. Like, like you said, if I get a, a border collie, Malinois, Dutch shepherd, GSP, like a really whip of a dog, that's like, and you channel that into like, okay, you're, you're crazy all the time. You're firing off all the time. I'm going to outlet this through obedience and then they'll just do stuff really fast that's going to give me an opportunity. Like not all of them, like there is a, some degree of like, you know, not every German shepherd is going to act the same. Not every Malinois is going to act the same. You know what I mean? But they do have a certain DNA makeup that says like they are capable of these things, right? It's just like with people, right? If, if mom and dad are both seven feet tall and play basketball, right. chances are their offspring is going to be just as big and probably pretty good at basketball. Like it's just, right. it's inevitable. It's like, if I wanted to be in the NBA and I worked my ass off to be in the NBA, it's never going to happen because of my size. Right. I'm not six, five, six, seven, you know? So yeah. anyway, my, my point is, is genetic makeup definitely plays a role in how I work with dogs. But again, um, if you're going off of my particular content and my particular stuff, you have to also take into consideration that the majority of dogs that I work with are behavior cases. So I don't, care, you know, I don't care about their breed really. They come in and I'm not looking to say, how can I make this dog, you know, X, I'm trying to figure out how to, how to unpack the behavioral problem to its core. So we can like, basically I would, light their whole relationship on fire and build it back up. You know, I would, I would tear out all the weeds and build it back up to this beautiful garden. And that's what I do. So for me though, like, again, like if you brought me a dog that didn't have any behavioral problems and it was like, I just want you to work with this dog. That kind of gives me a clean slate of like, what kind of dog is it? Okay. Here's the things that we're going to be able to, to probably do because of these things. So you just, as far as getting a doodle or a Bernadoodle, to a point where you want them to be really flashy and fast, like you can do it. It's going to just take a lot more effort to, to get, again, like look at athletes. It doesn't matter if it's hockey, basketball or whatever. It's like there's certain people that can effortlessly pick up a hockey stick and make it work. And then there's other right. people who like have to, you know, it's just, it's just, it's just genetics. It's how your body is made up. And so right. you can get to that point with certain limitations right? Maybe your dog isn't going to have the craziest grip if you're doing bite work or the craziest drive to tug with you because their DNA over the last a hundred years, whatever, whatever breed it is, was to sit at home and lay on the couch and bark at the mailman when they come over. They're not like their grip development isn't there because their parents never did it. Their hunt drive isn't there because their parents never did it. They were never bred to do these things. So there is limitations for sure. And it's same thing with like size. I'm not going to get a St. Bernard out here doing competitive healing for 25 minutes. My shepherd would be like pissed if we only did 25 minutes. Right. So there's absolutely some limitations to the breed that you're working with, but you know, you, you kind of have to be realistic with the things that you want. Yeah, that's true. Okay. So now that this is, I, I think one of the last things I have to ask you, maybe more will come to my mind, but I want to, so I, I, my, the bow comes with, to, comes with me to work or he's with, at home with my girlfriend, but sometimes my mom wants to babysit him or my sister or whoever. Mm-hmm. How do I, how do I work with, transferring commands 
with other people. Mm -hmm. So what I would, what I do, I mean, that's my job, right? Yeah, exactly. There's no point of me like, I mean, for the first day of training, I can show the owners what their dog can do. And they're like, wow, amazing. I'm like, okay, everybody, you know, most people who are capable of working with dogs can do the things that I do. But what separates myself and other people from everyone else is my ability to teach owners how to do it and empower them to get better which yeah. is some people just don't have that. They're um, impatient, yeah. they're demanding, they're like whatever, unrealistic. So anyway, for me, you know, I explain it the way it is, is if your relationship with the dog is very a matter of fact, like here's how I, 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 I typically will. So if you're transferring it to like your mom or your sister or whoever, like you have to say, hey, here's how to do it. Because right. it's not, it's not going to be a robotic thing where dogs are, you know, you hit you hit control alt delete on any computer, and anybody can do it. It's not like that. Dogs are very opportunistic, and so if you like, if I'm working with the dog and I say sit down, stay, break, and then somebody gets the dog, they go sit, sit down, down. The dog's like you're saying the same thing, but it's not the same thing at all. Right. So you really have to teach them. This is how you do it. And then, and then they'll try to like, that's what I mean. It's like, that's what my clients do. I'll say Fido down and the dog will go, right. And I, I literally just did this, this last weekend. And then yeah. I give the dog a break and then the dog owner will go Fido down. And they do this like, please at the end. And the dog's like, nope. So two things is the dog is so used to getting away with stuff. Hey, that's your biggest problem, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm just the strict uncle that holds accountability and then the other thing is, is the way that we said it, even though we said the same thing, are completely, completely different. So you have to show them how to do it and transfer that. And then after that, you say, look, the dog is capable. When you transfer that stuff, you can say like, yeah, now, now the dog is, is capable of, you know, doing these things. But again, like, especially with the grandmas of the dogs, right? Where they're like, right. oh, they're so cute. Like the video, I don't know, sounds like you watch and listen to my content, but the video that I did, I just posted one this morning, but the one I did, my last video upload with the with the mom and the dad and the dog and they're doing the eggs and they're doing all this different stuff and the, the mom or the grandma of the dog just literally went against everything that we were doing. And so yeah, basically- that, the, that was the one with the, it was like kind of a golden like scrub. Yes. Like, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So the owner- and, and- they were like New Yorkers. He was kind of yes. Italian. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, the yeah. owner came in and he's like, my dog won't listen to me or anybody else. And I was like, yeah. I was really clearly like, hey, this is exactly why. Oh, and yeah. I remember this now. Yeah. yeah. He was getting mad at you for changing the demeanor of the dog or some shit. Like he's like, but I don't yeah. want him to be a mush ball. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. And it was just like this. I was like, yeah, but your dog has never been corrected. And right. I was like, listen, you have a beautiful dog who is very happy and friendly and it's just great. I said, but you can't complain about your dog's bad behavior if you're not willing to do anything about it because that's never going right. to happen. It's like me sitting here being like, I really want a million dollars in my bank account and then calling my bank and being like, why isn't it there? And they're like, you haven't worked for it. Like, what are you talking right. about? It's not there because you didn't put it there. So my right. point is, is like, you have to make sure that you're transferring these things, but also being realistic to the people that you're doing it with because there's some people right. who just aren't going to get it. Yeah. Where they're going to be like, Josh, I just can't say no. And it's like, okay, fine. Don't bring them outside then. Just play in the backyard. So there's certain ties that you have to like eliminate to say like, you're going to go out and just like with kids, right? It's like mm. there's certain people that are going to influence your your dog uh, in a way that is not good. So you just say, hey, don't try to do any training because you're not willing to put in the work. Like if forever you said sit and the dog sat – and then all of a sudden, anybody else who's handling this dog said, sit, and he's looking at him like, do I have to? And then they just walk away. The dog is immediately going to go, I got your number. And I don't really have to do anything because you don't hold me accountable. So it doesn't – so I, 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 I had this notion. Tell me I'm wrong or right. So I tell him things. I say, sit, down, stay, whatever. Mm-hmm. Does it. No problem. I have zero problems with him generally. Um I give him to somebody else. They tell him to sit. He doesn't sit. That doesn't fuck up my connection with him. Like my obedience. As long as I hold him accountable and if he doesn't sit with me, he gets corrected. Or as long as I'm holding him, am I fucking the meaning of the word up? If somebody's like, Bo, come. And then he just says, not a chance. Is that, is that? 
No, I, I, I think it just, it, I mean, it's not, it's, it's not good, but I think the dog understands who they can. It's just like the same thing you just said is the dog will understand who can they get away with stuff and not. It's just, right. you know, it's, it's, it's like anything else with, with siblings and grandmas and aunts and uncles as it's like no ice cream. And then two minutes later, grandma's like, they love ice cream. And you're like, okay. So the dog yeah. will just understand what they can get away with. So I don't think it's messing again. Like we're talking about a pet. We're not talking about a working dog, like yeah. a, a bomb dog or a competitive dog that's working, working their entire life to get mm-hmm. certain you know, things out in the competitive world. Like if you do let your dog get away with something, it could hurt their future of whatever they're doing. That's not what you're dealing with. You're dealing with a Bernadoodle that's just trying to figure out who they can get away with stuff, you know, and not. And so, but again, like no training is better than bad training. So anytime that you put your dog into a position where somebody's going to ask them to do something and go against your roadmap of how you want it to be. And they're like, not going to hold the dog accountable. If they ask a dog to place and then say, stay and walk away and they get up, they don't do anything about it. Like, those are things that your dog is just going to like, for me, I always say like, your dog is picking on you. Like with that, with that video. I mean, if you go back and watch it, it's exactly that is I corrected the dog once for jumping. He's never been punished really in his whole life. He hit the deck and he was like, Oh shit, my bad. And he never jumped again. And then he immediately jumped for the owner. And I was like, It has nothing to do with the dog's training. It has to do with how much you're holding the dog accountable. And he's going to realize in his life that this guy takes things seriously and this guy doesn't. And I'm going to push you over and I'm not going to push this person over. Right. So sometimes it's better to just say like, hey. Just don't ask him to do anything. Don't ask him to do anything. Yeah, that's that's a lot easier to do and that's okay to do. Because first of all, their relationship is already going to be that very playful do whatever I want relationship. So you might as well just say like, Hey, don't regress my training because you're not going to hold them accountable. Just do your thing. We're going to go over to grandma's and you're just going to be happy and run around and be crazy and do whatever you want and get to get away with everything where your dog could be happy and controlled. But there's just people who don't like, again, like with Lakota, I can take her and work her but I can give her to somebody else and people can say the same things, but because they don't know how to move their body the right way and their timing isn't good. And the way that they say thing isn't good. She's going to act completely. She's going to look like an untrained dog. Right. Cause they don't know how to run that machine. So, right. That makes sense. Um, so let's say theoretically speaking, I wanted to get, let's say I want to get a second dog. Mm-hmm. And let's say I want to get a dog. That's not a Bernadoodle. Cause like, I think when you get a doodle, there's a lot there's a lot less you can fuck up with a dog like a doodle, right? Correct. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, what's the worst case scenario? They just like bark at shit. <laughs> yeah, right. So let's say I wanted to get like a, a level up dog, but I'm not I'm not talking like a like a Dutchie or a Malinois or a GSP. Like something that has mid energy, like a I don't know, Borbul, Corso, something like big guard dog that has less energy. What am am, am I doing the same shit as I did with my dog from puppyhood up? Or is there like, do you find that there's different ways to work with those kinds of dogs? Um, it's a good question. And I, I tend to, I've been seeing a lot of Corsos and you just have to be careful because they're, they're, they're serious dogs. And I think people get them, I don't want to say for the wrong reasons because people get them. To- it is for the wrong reasons because they're fucking cool and massive and sick and shit like that. Yeah. You look back or so, obviously. Right. But, but then again, like I'm looking at it like, yeah, that's what they're, they're guardian dogs. Like that is right. what they're supposed to do. So I don't want to say it's like the wrong reasons, but I feel like people get them too emotionally tied in with how they're going to look with this dog instead of actually like really driving that ship of like, okay, this dog actually needs real guidelines and boundaries and so i think any dog like that like borbles uh corsos like for me i would love a borble i worked with one out in montana and it was like the coolest yeah, that, yeah that was that, fun. That was such a sick video yeah that man was- thank you that was dope but that like dog was like so i've never worked with one like that yeah. like i've worked with a, cor- a borble before um but they're pretty similar uh as far as like breed standard and how they act and whatever but i wouldn't i want one but I probably wouldn't get one because I'm just like, I, I personally, my personal life is so, so like trying to fix and modify dogs behavior that I just, I want a doodle or I want a lab. I want a dog that I can have 
my friends are like, Hey, can I bring my dog? I'm like, sure. I don't care. Bring, bring whoever you want. Or, you know, Hey, is your dog friendly? I'm like, yeah, you're, my dog can like, you know, I haven't really had that opportunity for a long time. So for me, like having that neutrality and trust, knowing that because of the breed of what I'm going to get, um, that really is helpful. But if you do get a big dog like that, like you have to take it very seriously because I think, like I said, like there's, there's certain, there's a certain demographic that will get certain breeds for the wrong reasons. And mm-hmm. like recently we, you know, I've been seeing these gigantic mm-hmm. breed dogs with these, these smaller female handlers. And I'm not saying that women cannot handle dogs at all because there's some badass women out there that can do shit that would make my head spin. But what yeah, I'm yeah. saying is, is there's like sometimes these older women at this certain age that are getting these massive Rotties, massive Corsos, massive, just dogs that like, you know, they, they really need like, and I'm not saying they can't handle, but what I'm saying is, is physically, mm-hmm. if that dog wants to do something, you physically, I don't care how badass you are, how much money you make, how successful you are, how famous you are, you shit. dude, you can't do shit. Like these dogs are going to take you down. Like they're going to drag, yeah. they're literally going to drag you down the road. And I don't care like how confident you are or how many businesses you own. Like you just physically can't handle this dog. So for right. me, like I'm just, and again, like I don't want to sound insensitive and I don't want to sound sexist at all because that's not me. I, I you know, I, I, my, it, it, it can be a small dude. It doesn't matter. It can be a small dude, exactly. a small girl, somebody who physically can't handle yeah. a dog like that. So you just, so that's just one piece of it, right? That's just yeah. a piece. That's just one little piece of like, if you're going to get a dog, that's going to be 150, 170 pounds of all muscle and yeah. you, you know, can't control this dog there's going to be a lot of problems because, and it's not even like an aggression thing. It's, it's just, even if your dog is like that powerful and is overly happy, they're going to drag you down. They're going to jump on everybody. It's going to be a liability to kids. And so anyway, that's one piece of it. But the other piece of it is, is very simply that like, Hey, look, these dogs are bred for a very specific reason, uh, to literally protect certain things from lions, bears, wolves, people, Like, you know, these dogs are literally bred generation after generation to tear shit up that crosses into their, not, and again, not all of them, but you got to be really careful that when you get that dog and you don't really take it seriously and you're just taking Instagram photos with it to be cool, the dog's going to end up in a really bad spot. Yeah. So, So like, do you have any recommendations on like somewhere, like, like, I don't know, like how is having like a St. Bernard? For example, oh, they're the best, man. The, the, like the St. Bernards, that's what I mean. Is like you can have your cake, you need it too, or you can get, you know, a really big, powerful dog, and they're like just mushes, and they don't require a ton of physical exercise, you know. And and those are great, like Newfies, um, yeah. uh, St. Bernards, um, even like English Mastiffs. But when you start getting into like the Italian Mastiffs or the Neo Mastiffs or um, all those really like more protective, protective guardian dogs. Yeah. Uh, and, and then, and then it also like a big feature to that too, is like the breeding, like making sure that you're getting, you know, a good dog. And like, you know, the, even that Montana video, man, like if you look back, those are, those are two individuals that are both well into their late sixties, maybe early seventies, yeah. great people, nice people, the best people, right. They, they took us up. They were really awesome. But, and here's a dog that's, like 150 pounds of solid diesel muscle that has reactivity issues. I mean, and that dog dragged me and I'm not like a huge guy, but like I'm prepared. I'm not out of shape. I, you know, I, I'm like ready to go. And that dog dragged me around a couple of times. And it's like, that's my point is like, there's certain people I think that get these dogs just to say they have them. They're very proud. They're very Mm -hmm. like, I have, I have a, I have an X, Y, and Z. And there's nothing wrong with that. I want people to be proud of their dogs, but I think people are getting them for the wrong reason. So if you get a really large dog, that's fine. But just make sure that if you're getting a boar bull, that is a South African massive that's supposed to be basically, yeah, exactly fighting off goddamn lions. Like be be prepared for this dog to probably be a little protective around your house or on the leash. And, you know, so it's just, I I just, I I encourage people to just do their research on getting a dog and why they're getting a dog. Like for me, I have a Dutchie, I have Lakota because I can demo her. Like she's, she's not the, She's not like a good pet by any means. Like people are always like, let her out, let her out. I'm like, why? So she can shove a ball in your face for the next 48 hours. I'm like, no, yeah. she's not going to come in out here and lay down and like look for love. You know, right. 
so anyway, so I, I just encourage people to understand the dogs that they're getting and some of the, and again, I, like you said, like just making sure physically, no matter if you're a girl or a guy or whatever, I just said girl, because I've just been seeing a lot of these, um, older or middle-aged women getting these massive, like powerful brute dogs that are like so ballsy and yeah. pushy. And it's like, man, what's the point you, of this? You see it. You see it all over Canada now. Everybody like, uh, I've seen so many like small girls with like these massively inbred Dobermans. Right. Like, exactly. Like, Dobermans should not be 120 pounds. They, right. just, they just shouldn't be that big. Like inbred Dobermans, these massive head Rottweilers are like 140. Yeah. It's and, like, crazy. These, Girl on my street who has who has a, a corso, she's like a hundred pounds. And she they, they don't let their dog out. They like leave it in a crate. That's what just I mean. Like, yeah, that sucks. And like and like you said, it's not it's not even about like the physical or the sex of the human being. I I was just giving you reference of like you know what I've it's, been seeing. Like and I'm like, dog. come on, guys. Like yeah. you know, if you go back and look at all my videos of aggressive dogs, you will have a, a very big population of w- what's going on out there about people get and it's they're getting like bad, bad, poorly bred dogs, right? They're like, oh, I picked up my dog from, yeah. and I'm like, you guys got to do your research. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. so I, you know, I, I just, like I said, like, I don't, I don't like, I wouldn't get a Mastiff or a Corso or, or any of those dogs because I just don't have the time. And I have too right. many people in and in my house. You know, I have assistants, managers, I have people all the yeah. time dropping off packages, coming in to get merch, taking pictures, like videographers, like all the time. I can't have a, a, a dog that innately wants to protect yeah. my house and, and has the confidence to take on a lion. Be, you know, I want right. a, I want a chocolate lab that's kind of like, go yeah, out and yeah, greet yeah. them and help them carry in stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like, I, I just, I yeah. just feel like just because you can, doesn't mean you have to just because you have a, right. you know, whatever it, it doesn't, it doesn't mean that you have to do that. So I just encourage right. people to like, those things are not for, for the weak handler, but mentally weak handler. They're not for people who want to let their dog get away with stuff. They're not for people who aren't afraid to correct their dogs because these dogs are savages and they don't give a shit. So I think yeah. it's just a real conversation and I'm glad you brought it up, but I mean, it's, it, yeah. Do you, do you ever, um, work with people who don't have like behavioral issues with dogs oh, yeah. or do you? I, yeah. 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 I just did that. That's what I was saying is I just did that in New York city. Um, I was working with, well, I mean not huge behavioral problems, but yeah, I mean, I do it all the time. It's just not my bread and butter. You know, people aren't right. really like people because of the, I guess I should say like maybe because of the like the, the cost of getting me to you or coming to me to train, people aren't going to hire me to work with their dog that doesn't have any problems because they can just hire PetSmart to help them, you know? Right. So, but I, I def, but people like, you know, they're like, I like your style. I like your exercises. I like the way you do it. It yeah. is apples to oranges, but I definitely do it. I just don't do it a lot because I think it's, 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 you know, it's a lot to, to get to that point with me. So you know when you have your seminars at your facility in New York? I think you just you just, just had one. Yeah, yeah. With Forest, that was with Forrest, right? Mm-hmm. The most recent one? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like when you do those, is the majority of dogs that come, are the majority of them have behavioral issues? Um, yes, to some degree. Like there's one quirk. Some of them not. Like we had some people in that seminar that just wanted to work with us. Like they literally yeah. – I even had this one person who – brought somebody else's dog that had no right. behavioral problems at all. They just wanted to right. be there and work with us. Right. And so, yeah, th- that does happen. But again, like I think because of my, um, my demographic of the people that, you know, I put out, co- you know, that's just the world that I live in. I put out content yeah. with people who are having problems with their dogs. So of course, like I've, I've got a big audience of people that have reactive dogs or aggressive right. dogs. And so, but it's something that we don't always you know, get, I mean, we do get people that just want to make their dogs better. So, and like, that's fine. Like if I wanted to come to a seminar with a dog who's has no problems when it comes to behavior per se, but like just to sort of like work, walk around, like use it as like distraction with a bunch of people, work mm-hmm. with you, talk to you, whatever, yeah. sort of like get your, get your mindset on some shit. Is that fine? Yeah, that's fine. We've been noticing a lot of that actually. Um, like when people come in, um, to train yeah. with us, like, you know, my videographer and even, you know, my staff were like, what's, what's the deal? Like, I'm like, the dog has no issue. Like people, we're just getting to a point where people just want to come in and, and train with us and learn, yeah. learn with us, which is great. Like I have no problem. Excuse me. Do you know when your next, do you know when your next seminar is in New York? Probably not going to do any in New York for the rest of the year. Um, okay. but, uh, we're, we're doing a tour 
in, um, in the fall. So we're going to go on tour from Nashville to California and back. Um, so we have probably 10 different seminars that we're doing across the U S but like primarily West coast. No, uh, well, mid, I would say that the, the most East coast we're getting is, is Nashville. Um, but yeah. yeah, and then we're going out West and, and the, the reason why that is, is because I have all of my clients come from all over the country, right? From like Atlanta, Georgia to Florida, to Arkansas, to Idaho, to me. So I was like, I'm not going to do a seminar at my facility because people are already like traveling every single month to get there. Cause we do the out of state program, which is basically like a private seminar. Yeah. Um, so we just, we just wanted to go like reach out to these people who, who don't have access to me or maybe, you know, don't have the means to fly or travel to me. So we're just kind of hitting out West to really give people the opportunity. Okay. That makes sense. That's cool. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate it. Keep on doing the good shit. That's awesome. Thanks bro. Have a good day. You too. Thanks. All right. Bye. Bye. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah Baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com.